Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I am Jacob and I am a Christian. And my name is also Jamal and I am full of hay fever. Yeah, yeah, today's episode is not brought to you by Zyrtec, no-name brand Zyrtec. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, 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 Someone and, should really get onto that sponsor. If you can fix Jamal's hay fever, we'll give you a free promo for life. For sure. Um, also... Uh, it is worth noting, just given my nasally timbre today uh, and the topic of this conversation... This is going to be am... a difficult edit, isn't it? Uh, no, this is fine. Keep all this in. I, I just wanted to flag, I'm not on the nose beers. <laughs> I don't think I've ever heard them called the nose beers. Have you never heard them called the nose beers? I don't think so. Maybe I, I just live a sheltered life. Uh, you well. clearly do. You're sheltered <laughs> Christian life um, without the nose beers. Um, we have a listener question today, Jacob. Do we really, Jamal? We do. That's our first one in quite a while. Th- thank you to our listener. Um, now, I'm going to call our listener Kevin for Kevin McLeod uh, because our listener um, has messaged me under the guise of anonymity. So that is not their name. But uh, we- we're going to say that Kevin McLeod wrote in today and, uh, Thanks, and, Kev. and-, and asked us this question. Um, so I- I'm just going to read you the question and I, I guess we'll we'll take your-, take your thoughts and have a bit of a think about it. it- so it's a, bit- it's a bit of a long one. Um, so we'll read it and we can break it up into little bits and whatever you want to do. But um, yeah, here we go. Thank you. Thank you, Kevin, for writing it. I'm interested in your thoughts on whether there are morally right or wrong ways to find God. Some aspects of this that come to mind, is it better to morally find God through religious practice than through momentary revelation or vice versa? Is having spiritual awakening through hallucinogenic drugs legitimate? If a person turns to a 12-step program as the the only way offered to recover from something like drugs or alcohol, is the spirituality that they find through that earnest uh, unlegitimate or is it coerced? What about people who commit violent crimes and find faith while in prison? Also, very interested in any divergences from this topic along the lines of does the moral rightness or wrongness or other quality of someone's awakening make it easier or harder to maintain a connection with God or spirituality uh, and the likes? And then they've just gone ramble away. I, I, I love that, Kev. Thanks for the permission to ramble. Is it if, if a question suggests that you can then go off topic and then suggests off topics <laughs> to go to. Have you really gone off topic? They must be a listener because they understand us. They are, they get it. Let's wanna, start at the start. Yeah, let's start at the start because I, I object to the premise of the question, I think, actually. Okay. Which is, is, is there a, a morally right or wrong way to find God? Um, and, and I just, like... W- May, there's there's two ways you could put it. The first being like yeah, in in this instance there is no morally right or or morally wrong, or or simply the finding of God or the way I would probably put it is being found by God, like recognizing that you're found by God, like that that is just a a moral good no matter when or how it kind of happens to you. Like if if the purpose of life, if the goal of life is to live in relationship with God, therefore being in relationship with God rather than not being in relationship with God, it is it must be good. Right. But I I I think yes and is my response to that. Sure. Right. So like I, I, I do agree that yeah. It's probably my response to that too. Yeah. <laughs> right. But like, like so in this concept, right, the 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 finding of God or the finding of religion, uh or whatever religion is right for you, that that is fundamentally a moral good. Right, that that sure. you will yep. be better off in the world. You will, uh, you have enacted a moral good by finding God. I agree with you, Jamal. Great, <laughs> uh, but I, th- I think the 
premise of the question is more around, I guess, the process by which you get there and the ways in which you do engage in the path to get there. And, you know, you can absolutely, you know, you can, you can kind of see two paths laid out in this question, right? Mm-hmm. You have the, the path of the lifelong religious person who, you know, let's call them a Buddhist for the sake of this argument, like <laughs> meditates their whole life, uh, completely lives, you know, with really great karma, really nice to everybody, does all the right Buddhist things and, you know, becomes enlightened through that process, right? Sure. And then you have the life of somebody who uh, does a bunch of terrible things, might, you know, commit crimes, might, you know, take a lot of uh, a, a lot of substances that really uh, cause harm to themselves and others. And mm-hmm. yet through that kind of adversity and through the, the things they have done that are potentially morally questionable, that is the way that they've become enlightened. And, and I guess the, the kind of the hidden premise I think I see here is that for that second person, the only way they would have become enlightened is through those immoral things. Mm-hmm. So, so, and so, so maybe the question here is a kind of, because I think there is a bit of a, an implicit judgment in some things. I think maybe the question here is, does the moral good of finding God outweigh the moral bad of the things you do to find God, right? Does the outcome justify, does the end justify the means? Well, I mean, again, if we wanted to go, does the end justify the means on the whole? Like, I I think, I I just, I come at this from a fundamentally different premise to to what you're just outlining and, and possibly a fundamentally different premise to the listener as well, which is that, like, the... I, I don't know that you were saying this, but what I heard as you were outlining those two different paths to enlightenment was the the attainment. Of, well, it, yeah, it was. It was the attainment of something. It was getting something somewhere. And in in Christian thinking, just the, the idea that you have somehow earned your way to knowing God, finding God, a relationship with God. This, this is kind of why I, and this is a Lutheran in me, with like that particular branch of christianity um having even the objection to this language of finding god rather than being found by god is is because it's not something that like if if i as somebody who was baptized as a kid and grown up in the church and to nobody's shock at all has never done drugs or what like panadol but you know uh, <laughs> hardcore man haven't hardcore. done nose beers right like didn't know what nose beers were well i knew what nose beers were but had never heard that that term until 10 minutes ago um like it, the the idea that if if god is the end judge of morality and who has been good and therefore who has been better and worse than it like like the fundamental christian premise to the answer to that is that I am not any better at the end of the day than one of my mates who was a drug dealer and did some horrible stuff and he came I think he might have come to Christ in prison actually but like that that that's well, part of his story like almost exactly this is exactly what's been yeah. said there right so all right so but actually, like, and, and and God so God doesn't go oh Jacob's done better than this other guy like that's just not how it works for the purpose of this actually can we run with this analogy of you and your friend because I sure. think that's a really good kind of tangible example of of what this listener is talking about um. I and I get that. I, I think I do understand that fundamental thing that you know, uh, for you, you know, God 
finds you and accepts you and brings you in no matter who you are, no matter what you've done and mm. all of that. Like I totally get that. That, that. that is the path of Jesus, right? I, I guess for me, there is a question there though of kind of like, if you take that mentality to the nth degree where you say, it doesn't matter if I'm Jacob or if I'm Joe, the guy in prison. Sure. Um, like if you're saying it, it doesn't matter who I am, that God's going to love me anyway. God's going to find me anyway. Where is any of the incentive or where is any of the the kind of the moral framework to encourage people to be more like Jacob and less like Joe? Well, but the, the, the point of knowing God isn't to be more like Jacob and less like Joe. Like, that, like that's just that's a side effect almost, if you like. It's not climbing some ladder of perfection. It's it's receiving God in your life, and 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 that is its own good, like that. It's that's so, an end in so itself. So I, I totally get that yeah. spiritually, right? And sure. like, and and the, the nihilist in me loves that, right? Which is okay. like, well, there is no morality, there is no whatever else. And, oh, actually, here's a question. Then, yeah, yeah. are you saying then that there is no morality? Because I think what you are saying fundamentally is that the only morality that exists is the kind of are you are you found by God or not? Morality that effectively any kind of behavioral based morality doesn't exist and doesn't matter. So are you then kind of coming around to this Buddhist perspective of there is no good and evil? It's just ah, kind of perspective. No, welcome, my friend, to one of the paradoxes of Christianity. I'm surprised you've not figured this one out yet, right? It, it's not that there is no morality. It's not that there is no good and evil. Uh, it's that there's no judgment. Um, so the the classic formulation of it in Romans is um, there is now no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. Right. So and so the 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 only good is being found in Christ. Yeah, essentially. I, I I still think that's a that's a bit of a cop out answer though because like I there being no judgment means that there is no morality. Right. Like the only the only way you can engage in a moral code is with through some level of judgment. No. See, but but this is a. This is a throwback, actually, to the discussion we were having, I think it was last week or the week before, about forgiveness, right? Because because this is absolutely what forgiveness or um, what was the other term you coined? Absolution. Ab- absolution, right? Absolution is saying there was a harm that happened. There was a wrong that happened. Um, and But I am not going to condemn you on the basis of that wrong. Right. So, okay. So, 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 I mean, I guess from that perspective, there are ways that, incur more wrong in you know the the pursuit of god or not yeah. perhaps but yeah okay so, so this might then be one of the interesting kind of diversions of christianity and buddhism and one where maybe buddhism ends up a little bit the harsher for the first time i think oh. um which is that i so I, I i think my understanding is your answer to this question of is there a better or more moral way to find god is no right is that that realistically finding god is the ultimate moral good that um you know it, it doesn't particularly matter what you've done beforehand to get there, uh, that God will absolve you of of that, uh, of whatever it is. So it, it kind of, you know, it's... I, I, would, I would caveat that to say that, that like, like anything else, there are, there are things that you can do that cause more harm to yourself and others than other things. Um, but... Like, yeah, there, there are people who can be, in inverted commas, morally good their whole life but never know God. And, sure. and that's that's worse than having done some horrible crime and coming to faith. In right. Prison. So so, so, yeah. so, it's essentially there. there is a 
there's a ledger, so to speak, but knowing God is worth infinity on that ledger, so it just overrides. Well, the, the classic formulation is knowing God wipes the ledger. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. And I think the Buddhist concept of karma is maybe a little more prescriptive than that, mm-hmm. right? So, and, and this is a, there's, an, there's an interesting balance here, right? Because in Buddhism, you have karma, right? And, and yeah. karma isn't a ledger. Karma isn't this kind of like, oh, well, you got X amount of good karma points, X amount of bad karma points. Like, it's much more nuanced and complex. Therefore, than you're that. reincarnated as a rat. Like, right. this is yeah. a, the classic view of karma. Yeah. yeah, it's much more nuanced and complicated than that. But broadly speaking, it does kind of bear this thing of if you do good actions, that will uh, drive your tendencies and your kind of approach to life and therefore your rebirths. Uh, in a more positive way. Mm-hmm. That's kind of, broadly speaking, what it is. And so there is a sense there where if somebody does a bunch of uh, morally good actions or actions that generate good karma, they are then more likely to become enlightened because, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, it's essentially good karma... The best karma is to become enlightened and escape samsara. So <laughs> those with really good karma get reborn as monks or get reborn like as people who are, you know, closer to that point of being able to find enlightenment, right? Mm-hmm. So there's absolutely a kind of thing where, yeah, if you go and do shit stuff, you will be, you know, you are more likely to therefore, I mean, yeah, I'm just trying to distill karma really quickly here. It's hard. <laughs> but if you do shit stuff, you're going to develop very negative tendencies because you're going to yep. be doing that shit stuff based of based out of craving and aversion mm-hmm. and all of those shit tendencies will take you further away from enlightenment yes. over the yep. long run and opposite goes with good karma and, and and a similar thing goes on actually in Christianity to a, to an yep. extent that if you do you know shit things that's going to take you away from god um, because it turns out that um, again we're quoting quoting scripture today but like um, how can someone love God who they haven't seen if they do not love their brother or sister who they have seen right, right? like that's in first John I think for sure um, and, and so there there are definitely things that you can do that kind of um, steer your heart away from God if I can put it that way yeah. except that it's also held as a truism that all of us have hearts whose natural tendency is to steer away from God and God is the one that corrects that, right? right. Like so, so, you know, kind of God gets the credit, not my wonderful ability to steer my own heart. Right, yeah. I, and I think the, the layer to that that I think is a little bit different and maybe a little bit more like the Christian layer is that there is an exception to that, which is that it's not ever impossible to become enlightened in Buddhism. Right, so like, so it, yeah, it doesn't but it matter sounds how, like it's really bloody tricky. It, like, it is like so the odds are stacked against you, but you know, so th- there's a Buddhist tale. There's a Buddhist tale of Angulimala, right? Okay, Angulimala was a mass murderer in mm-hmm. the Buddha's time. So Angulimala is depicted as wearing a beaded necklace where all of the beads are the finger bones of people he's killed. Oh, nice. Right, yeah. so super like yeah, and like I think he was, he'd killed like. 199 people, right? That was his thing. He was going around killing everybody, and it was ancient India, so he kind of got away with it because who's going to stop him? And just like, yeah. And he approaches the Buddha, and he's like, I'm going to kill you. And he's like, oh, you're going to be the 100th person that I kill. Uh, and he you know, goes up to kill the Buddha, um, and um, and the Buddha like just keeps walking. And he yep. goes, and he goes, yeah, he yells at the Buddha, stop. Like, you know, stop there. I'm going to come kill you. And the Buddha just turns around and goes, no, you stop. And he immediately becomes enlightened. Because he realizes that by, by the Buddha saying you stop, it's stop all this hatred, stop all this you know killing, all of that, and like, 
and you know, Angulimala immediately becomes enlightened, becomes mm-hmm. a monk, and then is enlightened. <laughs> and it's like, and you know, it, it's this, it's this ultimate kind of point that's being made of just like you can have done everything wrong, you can have completely, you know, gone and been a mass murderer, but there's still an opportunity, mm-hmm. there's still a chance, right? And that in the right time with the right. Uh, you know, with the right words spoken to you in the right context, you can have that kind of spontaneous enlightenment. Kind of like a, a dumb luck sense, almost. That, right. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, and, and actually, there's um, there's a really good Zen saying that is um, you know, enlightenment is an accident, and meditation makes you accident prone. Yes. Um, yes. Which is I've a great heard one. that one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So yeah. So absolutely. Like so. I guess the thing with Buddhism is that even though the karma might stack up one way or another, I just. There is always that option. There's always the chance that it might just, you might yep. just get lucky. Yep. Yeah. Um, can we talk about twelve step for a moment? That was mentioned in the. We absolutely can. Yeah. So, so there's there's the there's this kind of the question here of you know if a person turns to a twelve step program, uh, and they find spirituality through a twelve step program. And so for those of you who don't know, twelve step programs are um, like Alcoholics Anonymous Alcoholics is the kind of yeah. the, the classic. Yes. The the, the OG twelve step. Yeah. Right, and and the first couple of steps in a twelve step program uh, is admitting that you your your life has become completely you know overtaken by whatever addiction you have, yeah. uh, and admitting that uh, essentially you need God. I mean, in traditional twelve step, it is God, although it's been I think updated recently to be more you know you a can higher power. Yeah, yeah, but that you need God as the only way out of. The, your life that has become a manageable it's almost like it's almost like Christians came up with the 12 step it's program almost like they behind did behind Alcoholics Anonymous yeah. who, who knew who would have thought uh, those, 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 those uh, anti-alcoholic Christians um, so yeah so the, essentially the question here is is the spirituality that someone might find through a 12 step program is it earnest or is it coerced and and, and there's a really really interesting question sitting behind that which is does spirituality kind of need to be earnest? Um, and we've we've almost got this idea in, and it's Christianity's fault entirely, um, evangelical Christianity, I think, in particular, that that um, that you have to have a, a deep personal faith and really feel it and really kind of you know own it completely for yourself, which. Um, theologically interestingly strips out a bunch of communal stuff that we see in the new testament and we see in kind of a lot of christian culture throughout history now i'm I'm not poo-pooing earnest personal relationship with i'm all in favor of personal relationship with god i think that's a, a wonderful thing but also like if if we are made by god for the purpose of you know living in relationship with god um, like that, that's, that's not, you, you get the choice to go, well, actually, I don't want to live in relationship with God and that's not something that I'm going to do. But if, if that's actually what we're made for, like there's a sense in which isn't that almost kind of inherently coercive. And if our, if our hearts are turning away from God, if everything that I've been saying is true and our hearts have this tendency to turn away from God and God kind of intervenes in our lives to turn us back towards God because that's what God wants because God also knows that that's what's best for us, then like, yeah, is that not coercive inherently in some way, shape or form? I mean, it sounds like you're talking though about something that is somewhat deterministic. Yeah. 
like the that that they you know that the alcoholic who goes through the 12 step program and finds god never really had a choice in that well i i don't know if it's that they never really had a choice in that but the um my old pastor used to put it this way which i thought was like a, a really good way of putting it is that for most of us, we don't tend to come to the end of ourselves and we don't tend to get to the end of our own resources and discover that there are, are problems in our lives that we just can't fix, which isn't because there aren't problems in our lives that we just can't fix, but we're just, most of us, most of the time are good at papering them over and, and whatever and, and thinking that we can muddle by. But then when you get to the point where there is something in your life, like a serious addiction, that you just can't fix for yourself, you, you come to the end of yourself and you need something or someone else to intervene and fix it for you. And so you're actually, you're in a position where you're more open to God in those moments be- because you, you need rescuing from something and God is the rescuer. If God is nothing else in scripture, God is the rescuer. Yeah. Well, yeah, and, and I guess there, there's an interesting question there of like, you know, what do you mean by earnestness, right? Like, yeah. Like, is earnestness only doing things in a way that is kind of, you know, neat and clean and, and obvious, right? Or can there be an earnestness in, um, in a kind of, uh, you know, how do I describe this? Like finding God through a lack of options. Well, and and I think there's a there's a distinction here between kind of that moment of finding God and also growing in God as well, right? And if if you discover through a twelve step program, say that that God brings you freedom and liberation from that thing that had you trapped, like how is that not awesome? And, well, and so, so why I, I would that the, not then change a bunch of stuff that you do? They, so the, this the is layer, the layer that that might not be awesome though is I, I think we need to give some credence here to this idea that sure. it could be coerced, sure. right? So there, I'm sure that there are people who have rocked up to a 12 step program, completely at rock bottom, completely unable to control their own lives yeah. and have been told almost explicitly, God is the only way to save you. Mm-hmm. And, because of their condition, because of their situation that they're in, they've not had the kind of the freedom of will, the mental faculties to properly kind of go against um, what they've been told. Now, mm-hmm. they could very easily have been told any number of things that would have helped them at that point, and they probably all would have helped them. It was just so happened that the person who told them, hey, God is the only thing that can help you, told them that. And they then end up, you know, finding faith and God through a situation where they were essentially given a solution to their problem, but Mm -hmm. not the only solution to their problem. And it was kind of like a manipulative attempt by the person giving that solution to kind of posit it as the only solution when, when maybe really it wasn't, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes sense. I'm wondering how different that is to like a, a child who's raised in a family of faith, for instance. Well, I, I, because presumably there's, Right. Okay. Fair enough. Well, but I don't. But I don't think that it is. But I think there are examples where that's really bad, right? Like, I mean, I mean, you know, I, I might get my house picketed for this, but a child raised <laughs> by the Westboro Baptist Church is very different to a child raised by Jacob's Lutheran Church. But there's, I'll take the confluence where I can yeah. get them. But um, there's this aspect of that, like if we think of a kid being raised in faith, where you you get to a certain level where you ask questions, or well, at least some people do um and kind of want to explore the edges of faith and all of this kind of stuff 
And is would that not happen also for the person in a in a coerced situation? All I mean, right. So may, maybe not. Could, could we take this to the extreme? Yeah, let, let's say that somebody was captured by religious terrorists, we'll call them Christian terrorists for the moment, and I, they, they, <laughs> yeah, defi- yeah, yeah. they, they definitely do exist. exist. They do exist, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, and so someone's captured by terrorists and told, you have to believe in Jesus or else we're going to torture you, and, and they say no, and then they torture them for a period of time, and eventually they say, okay, fine, I believe in Jesus. Uh, and then through that process, they do actually end up believing in Jesus. I mean, like, that's coerced. Like, 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 like sure, maybe they were lying when they first said it, or maybe... Like you know, they yep. you know there was a there was a you know a kind of a maybe there eventually even is a truth to it where they do actually legitimately go and experience God and Jesus, but like come on, like I, 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 mean, I, like, I, I don't think you can that's say that's morally that's... appalling for the Christian terrorists, right? And, and like, so, so like and, and and there's real questions there as to like well, what is their faith and what does God think you know around that because forgiveness is not like it it's the the whole slate wiping clean thing that we we're talking about before it's not just a magic trick silver bullet kind of thing there 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 is no condemnation for those who are in Christ like the criterion is being in Christ now there's all sorts of challenges in the church of how do you judge whether somebody is in Christ or not and the principle is actually you let God judge that and that's that's not my business to judge but there's also an aspect of that, like that, um, and Jesus tells stories about this, like about a servant who um, he he owed the king fifty million dollars and he didn't have it, and the king said, "Actually, that's all right. I forgive you the fifty million dollar debt." And then he's walking out of the king's chambers and he comes across in the corridor another servant who owes him 50 bucks. And he's throttling the servant against the wall saying, give me the 50 bucks you owe me. And someone else walks past and reports it to the king. And the king's like, dude, what are you doing? And throws him in jail for the $50 million yeah. because that, that's how forgiveness works. So you know, there's an argument there that the, the Christian terrorist or even the well-meaning 12-step person who is presenting this in a coercive way because, I mean, there's there's angles to it, right? Because there's some people who go about like there's there's people who have run food programs for the homeless where you you have to recite a Bible verse in order to get your food, and that's just stupid and manipulative. And I mean, people might be doing it with the the best of intent, like, and there's also people who do it with the best of intentions, right? And, and well, you, so you I, get caught I, up I, in judgment on can, that. But we can both agree. Sorry, no, can I? Can I? Just, but just to come back full full circle, like we we have historical instances where that kind of thing has led to faith, and like the the example, the meta example that springs to mind the most is that of African Americans, right? Like who get given the slave owner's faith because, and, and in a coercive kind of way but then discover this deep liberation in it that it wasn't the intent of the slave owners to give them that. It wasn't the intent of the slave owners to give them that kind of faith, but it turns out that that's just inherent within the belief system. Now, I don't know if that works for other religious traditions, but it seems to work for Christianity if, if, kind of god really gets you i see uh, yeah I, and, I'm, and maybe I'm, not, I'm just yeah, yeah. I, I, i'm not i'm not fully sold on that right like i think there's 
So look, I think we can both agree that I'm not saying it's good. I'm not saying you should go out and kidnap <laughs> people and tell them they have to be Christian. Like I'm not going to do that. Or no. own slaves. Both of those are bad things. Do not do that. Yes, correct. But uh, yeah, I think I think we can both agree that the people doing the coercing and the manipulating are are bad. Right? They are doing yep. something wrong. I think you know in every example you've listed there. We are fully on board that everybody who is doing intentionally the or otherwise, they're doing something wrong. Correct, but I guess the question then comes back to the person who has been converted, and and what is the? I I don't I, I certainly don't want faith, to say they've got a faith. Well, yeah, but I, I I'm not at all saying their faith is illegitimate, but I am saying their faith is such that it might not have been their faith if not for the coercion, right? And I think mm-hmm. that there is. There is something different in that, and I, you know, again, I I don't want to make a claim to say that, oh, that's not real, because I think it probably very much is real, and they do believe that, and I think you need to walk to any gospel church in the world to to prove that point, right? Um, but I think there is still something that 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 really is a thing where if somebody has been brought to a faith through circumstances that they didn't control that they were coerced through that they were manipulated through there is something that is different about that faith and about the person's faith and and maybe all i'm saying here is that i believe that people can be convinced they believe something but actually not right so maybe that's my layer i mean that's a bit meta Sure, but like, uh, when have like, I not been meta? Sure, like so. But I, I uh, let me play this out. Like I, I think that, yeah, I, I think maybe my point here is that I do believe that somebody can genuinely feel like they believe in God. Yeah, but due to the fact that they were manipulated into that, actually, if you really truly get down to it, and if you really truly, um, kind of connect with and con- if you could lift the lid on the spiritualness of it all and actually find out what that person's genuine connection is or is not, it might not be what they think it is. And I think that people yeah. can be lied to and they can be convinced of a faith that they might have that actually isn't real for them. So th- this comes back to the earnestness of faith, right? Because like, I, I agree with what you're saying about, you know, someone who's potentially being manipulated into their faith, like, if, if you could lift the lid and see, like, it doesn't necessarily believe what they think. Well, but they, but, but they might think like, they believe it. Right, right. Well, because this is an argument around Christendom, right, in Western Europe, like the you know, thousand sure. years before the Enlightenment came along, where, like, you know, everyone is at least nominally a Christian and has some connection to church and but is practicing to some degree or other. And... It's just a really interesting, we have no idea what's actually going on here question when you ask, well, what did most of them actually believe? Like most of them didn't have access to the Bible, couldn't read it. It wasn't in their language, even if they could read it. There were stages where like a vast number of priests were illiterate and didn't know Latin and so could say all the words but had no idea what they meant and all of this kind of thing. Like, And and there's there's a... a a significantly less than zero chance sorry greater than zero chance that everything that you're describing here is is what was happening for most of those people but the question is 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 that how is that how faith works and how does god engage with all yeah and and so maybe maybe there's a we found the proper tangent yeah yeah, right yeah (laughs) well all right and 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 maybe maybe there's a hypothetical test you can run here right which again you could never actually run in real life but i we, we can posit 
we can posit um, thought experiments. But I think the thought experiment to run here is maybe if you took this person and you took away every single thing that led to them becoming religion X, right? Sure. Uh, led to them becoming Christian. And you took away all of the contexts in which they became a Christian and all of the, any level of manipulation, any level of coercion, any level of non-coercion, take it all away and strip mm-hmm. it right back. If you take away all of that, are they or aren't they not still a Christian? That to me is the, it kind of answers that question of whether or not it's it's coerced or not. But that, like, that's just, you, you can't test that. Of course, it's a thought. It's a thought experiment, right? But like, right? So, but but it's but it's almost a thought experiment that um, kind of public education seems to tend to engage in, which is if we start from a a base position of there is no God and you're just you, and then you work it out for you, like like that's just loading a bunch of a priori assumptions in, and and assuming, for instance, like just. For, for argument's sake, it's assuming that the Holy Spirit isn't working, putting those different... Like, if I hadn't grown up in a Christian, like with a Christian family, I haven't. I, I genuinely have no idea whether or not I would have Christian faith. Right. And but, so, I, but I did. So, like, so may, and, maybe the only way to get around... Again, I, I agree that this is a hypoth... It's, it's a thought experiment. You, you cannot sure, test it, for sure. sure. But I, I, think, I think maybe the kind of practical way around this is actually the opposite of what you're saying which is rather than giving people no assumptions, uh, because again, you cannot practically take away people's assumptions and sure. the things that led to that, but maybe it's actually giving them alternate assumptions, right? I, um, to use the, the, the Black American slave example, Malcolm X and the Black Panther mm-hmm. movement and the Nation of Islam was actually a real radical attempt at decolonization yes, for, yeah, for Black Americans because their whole point was that the we are Christian and we believe this, but that's because we're colonized to believe this, right? Yep. We, we are coerced into this religion. Yep. So let's present ourselves with a different approach. Let's give us, let's give ourselves Islam. Let's give ourselves an alternate way of approaching mm. things as a way of decolonization, as a way of undoing the coercion. Right. Yep. And I think I'm much more in favor of that kind of approach where you take someone who you kind of go, well, have they been coerced? Have they not? And you, for a period of time, you go, go and be a something else. You know, go and be a Buddhist. Go and yep. be a Muslim. Go and be a Hindu. This go is and what be a Jew. My my understanding is that um, at least some Amish communities practice this, where you kind of get to the age of adulthood and you go spend a year out in the world not being Amish with not Amish, yeah. and, and you, then you come back and you decide, do I want to do the Amish right. thing? Right, and I think there's a, there's a little bit of a difference there, just in the sense that we have. Um, you know, community connections and stuff that maybe play a bit differently. And the you know, if you decide to not be Amish, you can't then ever that, see your Amish friends. Uh, like, I don't know that you can't ever see your Amish friends. But you know, I don't, you, I don't think they're that you can't, closed. But yeah, 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 yeah. But like, I yeah, you know, I think there are there are different layers of coercion in that. But 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 I yeah, I, I do get that right. I, that is the kind of thing that I'm advocating for here, yeah. which is a, a genuine. You know, if we want to talk about what kids should be taught at school, maybe it is actually go and let's learn about and let's engage with all of the religions. Yeah. Um, because, yeah, I think to me to me that maybe the test that could be run is take this person who's gone through a 12-step program and become a Christian, let's turn them into a Muslim for a bit and see do they really is it really a Christian they want to be <laughs> or is it just they want a connection with, with, with God or Allah, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and so actually try and provide alternate options that do the same thing, that that bring the same benefits 
Uh, You're making actually, assumptions there that sure. I would disagree with about doing the same thing, but this is the relativist. Yeah, it's the relativist here, right? Yeah. We're, so we're actually, with this, this yeah. is like we should. I I feel like at some point in our lives we should do a you go be a Buddhist and I go be a Christian. <laughs> we genuinely actually do that for a bit. See, I don't know if I could hack work. Buddhism. But yeah, well, this is yeah. it. You got it. You got it. <laughs> you, you've been coerced. You've been coerced because you you can't even conceive of hacking Buddhism. I could hack being a Christian. It's easy. <laughs> Just got to be myself and be loved. It's great. Um, it's, uh, um, Join us. <laughs> so okay. So all right. So maybe maybe we've kind of answered that bit of the question or not. So the other bit of the question that I I kind of quite enjoy here is is this idea of momentary revelation versus path revelation, mm-hmm. right? So I, I think I've spoken before on the podcast about my um, my ayahuasca yeah. experience yeah, in South have. America, right? And I, I think that to me is a really clear example of that that difference right that, i think that was one of the episodes with noel if anyone's it might have been yeah. yeah um but yeah long story short i went to south america as a 19 year old i took a south american spiritual shamanic hallucinogen called ayahuasca um it genuinely changed me from being a hardcore dawkins-esque atheist into somebody who was at least open to spirituality and then later on down the track i became a buddhist um and in experiences I've had since then, I definitely can recognize that the ayahuasca was a momentary kind mm-hmm. of jump towards, maybe not enlightenment, but certainly one of the jhanas or one of the kind of high Buddhist mind states. Uh, and I have um, not quite gotten exactly to the same point, but I've certainly had experiences that I can map as very similar to those experiences through quite significant periods of intense meditation. Um, and so there's absolutely a thing where, yeah, you can have these kind of momentary bits of, you know, experiencing momentary revelation and suddenly, oh, my God, I'm there um, versus this kind of process based going mm-hmm. down the path. And I guess there's a question here of, you know, is one better or worse? I, I, I'm going to suspect you're going to say no to that. Yeah, I am. Like, yeah. And, and, and I think actually I, I suspect or certainly – Within my theological framework, what I would say is that actually the the moment the moment such as it is is like that's just part of a process, right? And, and you recognise the process after, like it, it's in in people I know that I don't know if your story, you, you can tell me if the ayahuasca story kind of quite fits this or not, but people I know who've come to a Christian faith who have had just there there was just a moment and it was like oh. I, I get it now kind of thing, would then look back on maybe it's months, maybe it's years and go, oh, I see the process that God was doing there. And so it wasn't that they were aware of the process at the time. It's, it wasn't that they were consciously on a process, but there was a process there once they kind of looked back and saw it in the light of the moment. Right. And, and I think I would agree with that um, if... It's me being boringly centrist. I know, right. <laughs> Uh, I, I would agree with that if it sticks is probably my point, right? So my yep. thing with the ayahuasca experience is that I, I had that and then it was taken out of that, right? Yep. And, like, and, and, you know, that wasn't something that could be maintained because it was induced by the drug. Um, and so I think... But the faith thing kind of... Well, not the faith, but, like, that that was a significant marker on yes, your journey to Buddhism, right? It absolutely right? did, but, like, but, but I, I would say my experiences whilst on ayahuasca was drastically different to my day-to-day experiences of oh, sure. Buddhist even yep. now, right? Yep. Um, but that's so, just variation of experience, right? But uh, which I, maybe Christianity has a different take on than Buddhism, but yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I, I, I my point being though is that there's a question here about like is it easier or harder to maintain a connection in that? And I, I guess maybe the one thing I would want to caution is that 
in Buddhism at least, there is a benefit to doing the path, right? Mm-hmm. The, and, and that benefit is consistency, right? Is that you can absolutely have quite high-level, uh, really profound enlightenment experiences. Uh, and actually, you know, the whole there's a whole branch of Zen that really does go for momentary flashes of enlightenment as kind of mm-hmm. the, the, the path. But you can absolutely have those, but unless you engage with the process with the meditation with the kind of the work of going through that and really ridding your mind of attachments that's not going to last and yep. it's going to you can still be a buddhist you can still connect with enlightenment you can still have you know, they're still very legitimate um but i would say it probably is in buddhism harder to maintain that connection uh if you're doing it through means that are not kind of replicable uh, and yeah. quite easily replicable for you. I, I I would kind of agree with that in a slightly different way from a Christian perspective, which is um, that you, you can have a faith moment and all of that kind of stuff, but if you don't connect with the church, with Christian community, like, sorry, it doesn't have to be the church institutionally, but Christian community yeah. in some way, shape or form, um, it's it's going to be, yeah, a lot harder, if not impossible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Speaking of um, a lot harder, some Christians and a Buddhist walked into a bar. Uh, with... Is this a kind of nose beer bar? Is that what <laughs> no, makes it harder? No, it was, just, it was just, <laughs> just hard drinks, right? Just a hard cider they were drinking. Uh, and so they walk into this bar and there's a group of Amish people in the bar. Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. They, they, were, they were here from earlier in the episode. Do Amish people, I don't think they do. do well, well, this I, is I, it. I they, genuinely they, don't They know. walked yeah. in and they were like, oh, well, I didn't realize Amish people drank. Like, right, well, what yeah, are there yeah. Amish people in the bar? And there was a big sign at the door and it said, you know, welcome to Amish Alcoholics Anonymous. Okay. And I was like, okay, they're, they're all in the bar still drinking. Okay, I, 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 yeah. I guess. And, you know, okay, this is Amish Alcoholics Anonymous. And they walk in uh, and, and, and they, you know, they all look like regular Amish people, and they're like, oh, like, I, I can't quite tell the difference. And they go up to one of them, and it's like, how do you tell if an Amish person is alcoholic or not? Like, you know, what's going on? Uh, and the Amish person goes, oh, it's very easy to tell. Like, they keep falling off the wagon. Hey, yeah, yeah. nice. Yeah. I like that. That's, yeah, yeah. that's quality. That's yeah, good. I'm, I'm pleasantly surprised. Okay. Very <laughs> the destination good. was worth the journey in this case. <laughs> Well, uh, that is all we have for today. Thank you so much for Kevin McLeod for writing into us and for Kevin McLeod for supplying the music today. <laughs> Kevin McLeod in no way actually wrote into us, unless I'm being no, deeply misled about Kevin the anonymity McLeod. of this person. Um, you can find us, Christian Buddhist Bar, at gmail.com. We're on Facebook where there's details about where you can walk into a bar and see us. Uh, unless you're an alcoholic, in which case, please don't walk into a bar. Let us know. We'll move the event to somewhere where you can actually be. See you next week. Bye.